We'll be in Ephesians chapter 6. Thank you, Brother Daniel, for leading us. And adults, that is true for you as well. You can always, always run to Jesus. And he is strong and he is good. He is kind. He is faithful. We'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. But before we turn to God's word, let us humble our hearts before him in prayer. Let's pray. Well, Father, we're so thankful that you will hear us. So thankful that you would bend your ear to us. So thankful, God, that, that you'd given us work to do and you've equipped us to do that work. We praise you for the spirit who indwells the believer. We praise you for the good and great shepherd, Jesus Christ, who's gone before us, even now interceding for us. May we open your word today and hear good and wonderful and true things about you, God, and what you would have us do in our lives. May you save our children. Would you raise up? Raise up another generation. That they would know you and they would walk with you. that you would be their God. And that they would be your people. Oh God, equip us now that we would walk in your ways and be faithful to teach them to the next generation. And we praise you, God, for those who have come before us. And you have passed your truths down to us. God, your plan's perfect. And so we submit to that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Pastor John has asked me to continue uh, in this book. Ephesians chapter 6. This is the infallible word of God at Cannot be wrong, no matter what the world or the culture around us says. It's the inspired word of God. God breathed, God given the Holy Spirit moving upon men as they wrote this holy, holy word for us even today. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll only read the first three verses this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father. And mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Read that again, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well, or your version may say that it may go well, with you, and you may live long on the earth. Your version may say, may live long upon the land. Well, may God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Well, let me uh, preface this, that I I do not take this uh, time lightly. So stand behind this uh, desk and and preach to you. There are many 
family and friends and even former congregants and, and uh, older folks that have known me from, from a child. Uh, and so I'm honored that you would, you would be here and that you would sit under the preaching of the word. Uh, the authority comes from God and comes from his word. Um, so I do not take that lightly. I also think there's some wisdom uh, in, in uh, the old saying that you can't tell someone how to raise their kids until you've raised your kids, and you really shouldn't tell someone how to raise their kids until you've raised your kids and your kids have turned out to be good kids. So uh, my authority comes on the scripture, and so uh, I can only tell you what the book says, and the book is true, the book being the Bible. Uh, and so I come to you based on the authority of God's word, understanding that we are we're all moving and growing and being sanctified by our Savior. So as we look at this text here, we see children. The very first phrase, we see children. You see that in verse 1. And it's really remarkable that this would be written to children. The book of Ephesians were written to, uh, was written to the Christian church in Ephesus. That would be modern-day Turkey. And so it would be, it'd be written as a letter. And so it would be read aloud in the congregation. And so this entire letter would arrive. Of course, there wasn't chapter breaks and verse breaks, things like that. And this entire... Uh, this entire letter would be read. And so it's really remarkable that there would be, uh, especially in this time, something written to children. It would be countercultural. And notice that it says children. Not just boys or young men, but both boys and girls. And in this culture, in this time period, in this Greco-Roman world, it was common in their culture, what we would call the Roman Empire, to abandon babies. Not in the Christian church, but for the, for the modern secular world, they would abandon their babies if uh, they didn't want them. Uh, and it was even common practice that the child as a newborn would be set before the father. And if uh, the father uh, accepted the child, he would walk to the child and he would pick up the child and the baby was accepted into the family. If, if the father were to shun the child or to walk away from the child, uh, then ultimately what would happen is uh, the, the child would be taken to, for lack of better words, the town dump, to the trash heap. And there the child would either uh, die uh, in its surroundings there, uh, but usually there would be traffickers who would uh, take these abandoned children and they'd either raise them to be slaves or gladiators and even prostitutes in that culture. There was a very low regard for life in the modern world when this letter was written to the Christian church. Uh, and it's really no different in our day. Uh, in this seemingly cold and indifferent uh, culture that we find ourselves in, there's not a lot of concern uh, for the sanctity and the preciousness uh, in life even now. But that's not so for God's people. Uh, we are to celebrate and to uh, give thanks and to praise God for the birth and the life uh, of children. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we... we we, we shouldn't kid about it. I understand people kid about that. Say, oh, yeah, I had another one. Uh, that, that's not good. That's not good. Or, uh, uh, you know, oh, yeah, he was an accident. I understand what you're saying. But there's no accident. And then for the child to have to, uh, to hear that can be very damaging. And uh, so, uh, you know, even in our, our time, you know, oh, you had twins. Oh, you know, that's... Someone will say to us, I'll say, oh yeah, a double blessing, praise the Lord, right? And so we need to be very careful, parents, grandparents, or even those that maybe interact with those who have children, uh, to not speak negatively 
nothing about life, but to celebrate and praise uh, the Lord for life. So our first word here, children. So for children to be addressed, we can understand that children are present when this letter is written. Imagine that, children in the congregation. It's wonderful to see. And so just there we see that when this letter had been uh, read aloud in the church of Ephesus, the children would be there. Children were addressed. They were present when this letter was being read. And it seems to be to pre-adult children who are living at home. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, if you see there in, in verse 4, it's because they are receiving training and instruction. Uh, you're not really training your 25-year-old, uh, even though you could teach them some things, and hopefully they would ask for wisdom. But it seems here in the context that it's specifically speaking uh, to pre-adult children. So we see children, obey your parents. Obedience or to obey is an action. It's something that you do. It's an outward external thing. Obey is an action. And obey, would, would really what it means literally is to hear under. We wouldn't really put those two words together, but that's what it means. It means to hear under, to listen with attentiveness, or to hearken. We don't usually use that word very much, do we? But to pay attention or to submit to. That children are to put themselves under the words and the authority of their parents. Children, obey your parents. That means... Children, do what mom or dad tells you to do. If it is not sin, if it does not go against the Bible, if it is not harmful, do what mom and dad say. And if you only have mom, then do what mom says. If you only have nanny, then you do what nanny says. If you only have dad, then you do what dad says. Children, obey your parents. But listen closely. If children are to obey their parents... Well, then there must be proper instructions given to them to obey, right? If you're to obey your parents, well, that infers that the parent must be telling you what to do. They're instructing you. So, parents, are you instructing your child? You are doing them no benefit. You're doing them no good by saying, well, you know, I'll just, I'll just let it slide. I don't, I don't really want to instruct them and tell them what to do. It's just, it's just easier if we go along with it. No, if you lack giving instruction to your children... It is really no help, but it is great harm to them. Children are to be instructed. The Bible commands it. But to listen, children are to listen to their parents. Proper instruction. So mom, dad, if children are to obey you, then you have to give them something to obey. You have to instruct them. And it's not simply you do what I say, but it must be proper instruction it must be true and right and good and profitable instructions that we give our children children obey your parents what does that infer what does that proclaim here from the text that we see parents are to be the chief caregivers parents do not give over your god-ordained your god-mandated responsibility of raising your children too many people in our churches, they have turned over the upbringing of their children to everyone else and to everything else. And let me remind you, you don't have to ask this sick and sin-infested world to raise your children. They are happy to do it for you. You don't even have to ask Satan to raise your children for you. He will gladly do that. And no. It's not by God's design for the granny and the pawpaw or the aunt or the uncle, though that does happen. And praise God for those that stand in the gap and do that. 
But we see, for all intents and purposes, in the Christian home, it is for your children to be raised by you. And praise God if he's entrusted you a child that is not from your womb. What a great responsibility he has given you, and you are to instruct them. It's not an institution's responsibility to raise your children. It's not even YouTube's responsibility to raise your children. And it will blow your mind, perhaps, that there are children on YouTube 11, 12, 13, 14 hours a day. And I'm not against YouTube. There are many great things we can learn from YouTube. But YouTube is not the primary caregiver of your child. It is your responsibility by God. And it is high time that you realize that before their tender hearts become calloused and their sharp minds become dull and their passions become perverted and their soul darkened, it is your time to raise up the children or the child that has been entrusted to you, regardless of the context. If God has entrusted a child to your care, you instruct them, you love them, and you rear them, and you discipline them. So it's time for parents to do some soul searching and to make some sacrifices and to be intentional and to be obedient to God and his word. And I would much rather upset you now or make you feel a little uncomfortable now than in five or ten years down the road have you call me and say, I just don't know where I went wrong. Well, you went wrong when you shirked your God-given responsibility to raise your kids. God's way, in God's house, with God's people, singing God's praises, while you yourself are submitting to every word in God's book. And you may say, I only get my children 50% of the time. I understand that. Then you give them 100% when you have them. And you may say, well, I'm a, I'm a single parent. Well, then you press on. And you labor well. And you know that your labor, your labor is not in vain. And you may say, well, they don't have a father. It may be true. And I'll tell you, there is, there's no better father than my father in this book. I'm going to tell you all about him. Because he wrote it. And so, entrust yourself and your kids to him. And know his grace is sufficient. He's been overcoming all the odds. He's been coming, uh, overcoming all the impossibilities since, since I've known him. And... Dear single parent, know that he will see you through. You know, I know it's hard. I, I know I don't have it all figured out myself. But as uh, dear Mr. Spurgeon said, if we never have headaches through rebuking our children, we shall have plenty of heartaches when they grow up. So children, obey your parents. We look back at our text here. Our next phrase is, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Well, here we see children can be saved, praise God, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. 
Children can be saved, right? In the Lord, in relation to Jesus. You, child, obey your parents in relation to Jesus, your Savior. Ephesians 2 tells you how Jesus can be your Lord. For by grace you are saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So how does that faith become yours? How does that Savior Jesus become yours? How do you obey your parents in the Lord, by God's rich grace, through faith in Jesus. And he continues in the next verse, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, or can be said we are his uh, uh, cre- creation in the Lord. And your purpose is for good works. And that would include obedience. So children, you obey because of what Christ has done for you, because he has forgiven you if Jesus is your Savior. So children, listen closely. Young people, listen closely. Trust Jesus to forgive your sins and to be your Savior. That's simple. Trust Jesus, young people. Trust Jesus, old people. Trust Jesus, all people everywhere. To forgive your sins and be your Savior. Your Savior from hell, your Savior from wrath, your Savior from judgment. And as dear Brother Spurgeon says again concerning our children, he says, tell them, tell the children, tell your child, your grandchild, your niece, your nephew, tell them they must be born again. Be tender, but be true. Set before your child life and death, hell and heaven, judgment and mercy, their own sin and Christ's most precious blood. Well, are you setting that before your children? We continue on to our next phrase. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. It is right. Right. Children need simplicity, do they not? Obey, child. Obey your mom or your dad or whoever God has entrusted to be your boss, to to take care of you in your life, to, to love you and guard you. Obey them because it's right. It's the right thing to do. It's always right to do the right thing. It's always the right time to do the right thing. You trust God at his word, and you'll obey your parents because it's right. That means it, it fits. It's, it's fitting. It's, it's who you are, and, and it's for you. God decides what's right and wrong. God decides what is good and true. God knows best. So listen, children, obey because it is right, because it is righteous. It is upright. It is virtuous. It is approved and accepted by God. It's just and true and right. It is right means exactly as it should be. That's how it's intended. Children obeying godly parents who give proper instruction is exactly how it is supposed to be. Our God is so dear, is he not? He... He's so tender to us. He says, children, obey your parents. And if he would have left it there, if Paul, writing inspired by God, the Holy Spirit would have left it there, that would have been good. 
But he gives an explanation. He says, for this is right. What a wonderful, what a wonderful kindness of the Holy Spirit as he gives this explanation. And so we would say, parents, do you explain why your child should obey? I get it. There are circumstances where you just say, stop. Don't go on the road. Do this. We, we, we don't have to have a five-point dialogue on why you shouldn't run immediately and chase after that ball into the street. Sometimes you obey because I tell you to obey, and it's the right thing to do. But we must remember our children are not machines. We must shepherd their hearts. We must cultivate their minds in tender godliness. We must train them in direct and truthful gospel knowledge. So why, child, are you to obey your parents in the Lord? Because it is right. Because it is right. Now look at our next phrase. Honor your father and mother. So first we had obey. What did I say obey was? Obey was an action, right? It was something that we did on the outside. But now we come to the word honor. And honor is now something that happens on the inside. Honor is an attitude. It is not only doing what is right externally or on the outside, but it is having the right heart attitude on the inside. And adults, if we're honest, we struggle with this too, right? We may be doing what, what looks good on the outside, but inside are we grumbling and mumbling and complaining and so frustrated and irritated and angry on the inside because we did not get our way. But children here we see, not only are you to have the right actions, but it is to be paired with the right heart attitude that you are to honor, that you are to honor your father and your mother. So what do you think the word honor means, children? What does honor mean? I don't mind awkward silence. What does honor mean? To respect them. Yeah, thanks, Larmy. The highest possible respect. It means to value. Children, to, you are to see your parents or whoever is taking care of you and guarding your heart and leading you and instructing you. You are to see them as having a whole lot of worth. You're to revere them. To, to hold them up is precious. We could say it like this. To honor your parents would be to see your parents as your heroes. That they should be admired. Ouch, parents. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for you, parent or parents? If your children are to see you with the highest possible respect, if they are to see you, for lack of better words, as their hero, if they are to, to see you as honorable, well, that means, hey, mom, hey, dad, you're to be living a life in front of them that is respectable, that is heroic, and that is honorable. Parents, are you living that life in front of your children? What are your children seeing in you? Someone who is controlled by God, someone who is enamored by his word and his grace, someone who is committed to the church, someone who gives generously, someone who serves and encourages others? Or do your children see a hypocrite? Do your children see that you value missions and the advancement of the gospel? Or do you value your personal wealth and your personal well-being way over God's kingdom call. 
do your kids see someone who is being faithful to the king of heaven or someone who loves this world and its temporary pleasures? You know, I don't know if there is anything uh, more confusing and damaging to the spiritual well-being of a child than to see hypocrisy in their parents' life. You say and you act and you talk one way at church and when you're around your Christian friends, but the moment you're in the car or the moment that you're home or the moment the door is closed, you are angry and you are harsh and you are foul. And not only do your children see that, God sees that. Well, let me ask you a question, parents. Is there joy in your home? If I were to give you a list and say, right, 10 characteristics of your household, would one of those say, you know, I think joy would be a good title for what happens in our home, the, the atmosphere, the, the thermostat in our home. Yeah, joy would have to be up there. Would you say that? Well, a dear evangelist, some of you may know him, me and uh, Ty were actually talking about him uh, earlier this morning. I was talking with Paul Washer one time, and he shared this with me. He told me, he said that he once read a survey, and the survey was looking into children who walk away from the faith, right? And what we mean by that is you're brought up in a Christian household, and then 18, they're done, they've went away, they, they're not following after the faith that mom and dad had taught them to have. But the survey was looking at children that remained in the church, that remained pursuing Jesus, that uh, were Christians and continued down this walk in the Christian life. And so this survey, Brother Washer told me, looked at different denominations, Christian denominations, uh, you know, and, and it looked at, at all these different things, you know. And they asked them, what was the one thing, as they compiled all their data, that was the same? And it wasn't that dad had the best job. It, it wasn't even though that mom was always home. Those, those are both of great benefit. But the one common denominator of children who remained in the church long after they were outside the home was that their home they described as a place of joy. Would that be characteristic of your home? Would joy be in the top 25 things that come across your children's mind if their friends at school were to say, how, how do you describe your home? What's the atmosphere like? Well, when Brother Washer shared that with me, I determined in my heart that to the best of my ability, We would have a joyful home. And I'm sure many times I've failed at that. So what a goal for you, parent, is joy. And we know that God is providential and, and he has his ways. And the secret things belong to the Lord. This isn't a, a guarantee. This isn't a fixed and sure rule. And this doesn't mean if your children have went away from the faith that your home was not joyful. What I simply am saying is the one common denominator of children that remained in the church was they described their home as joyful. So let us have homes 
lives, conversations, they're full of joy. So will there be times that you fail as a parent? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But what does that do? That's the grace of God. That he provides a wonderful opportunity to model before your children. So, Dad, when you fail, Mom, when you fail, Grandma, when you fail, Papa, when you fail, Aunt, Uncle, whoever you are, and whatever child you are tending to, when you fail, here is a wonderful opportunity for you to model before your children a contrite heart. A, a humble attitude, admitting and owning your own sin and seeking their forgiveness, God's forgiveness, and seeking restoration. Your, 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 your failure, and you're going to fail, your failure provides you gospel witness by showing your children, hey, dad's not perfect. Hey, mom's, mom's not perfect. I need a Savior, too. I need God's grace. I'm going to fail you, son. I'm going to fail you, daughter. But there's one. And he will never fail you. And he'll never leave you. And he'll never forsake you. And it is only, it is only by faith in Jesus that we're accepted by God and we're forgiven of our sins. And just like mommy or daddy needs Jesus, guess what, buddy? You need him too. So young people, this is not an option. Obedience to your mom or your dad, it's expected. It's your duty. It's commanded of you by God. It's actually demanded of you by God. Children, the right thing for you to do is to obey your parents as the Lord has placed them over you. And when you obey your parents, guess what? You're honoring God. Children, look up here. I need you to hear something. Because the world, the world's not going to tell you this. You are intricately woven. You, you are knitted you are actually sewn together by God in your mother's womb, in her tummy. Your DNA is established by God, the creator. Your life, children, is sustained by God. Every beat of your heart, young people, is a gift from God. Every draw of oxygen in your lungs, it is another gift from God. And listen, young people, this entire world is under God's authority and God's jurisdiction. And one way that you honor God is by honoring your parents. And so huffing and puffing and pouting and sulking and back-talking and disobedience, they're not honoring to God, and they're not honoring to your parents. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Young people, do you want to please the Lord? Do you want to please God? You know, for lack of better words, we perhaps would say on an elementary level, do you want to make God happy? Do you want to please the Lord? 
than obey your parents. So adults, how do you honor your parents? Well, there's a lot that we could say about that, but we'll keep it brief. One way, adults, that you can honor your parents is that you provide for your parents when they can no longer care for themselves. Whatever the time, whatever the money necessary to provide for your parents, you provide for your parents just as they did for you for 18, 20, whatever years. And it's not just time and money, but it's intentional respect. Well, we press on. Children, obey your parents. We saw that in verse 1. In the Lord, for this is right, honor your father and your mother. Do you notice first it says parents, and then later in the verse it says father and mother. I want you to see this so clearly that no matter what this world tells you, no matter what the culture around you says, no matter what your teacher may tell you in school, parents are a man and a woman. And parents, you have a responsibility to lead and instruct and to be the authority. And can you love them and be sweet to them? Yes, you can. But it's really hard to be the authority in their life when all you want to be is their BFF. Instruct your children. Instruct your children. And then a promise we see here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, your male and your female, a man and a woman, which is the first commandment with a promise. You know, obedience is not easy, is it? Not all the time it's not. And so children need help. They need to be told that God rewards obedience. Some people, that makes them very nervous to say that God rewards something. But it's true. God rewards obedience. Now your reward may be thinking you get a million dollars and you never get the chicken pox in life as well. That's not what the Bible says. But he does reward. To his, according to his perfect and holy will. He knows what's best for you. You know, it's been said you would choose the same thing God chose for you if you had infinite wisdom. He knows what's best. And children, be assured of this. God rewards obedience. Adults, be assured of this. God rewards obedience. And it's on his standard and on his scale and according to his determination. You don't get to tell him what the reward is. God is faithful and he rewards obedience. And so we have this great promise here to encourage the children to obey. God rewards obedience. There's a promise attached to this. God promises good things. God rewards obedience. That's an encouragement to you, dear children, from God. And so what happens here in this text, in, in, in the letter of Ephesians here, Paul, he combines, combines Exodus 20.12, and he combines Deuteronomy 5.16, where this, this quote is taken 
uh, from of uh, this is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And so God gave this commandment to the nation of Israel, his chosen people. At this time, they were at Mount Sinai, and they were fixing, uh, they were fixing to go uh, at least for a minimum of 40 years, right, until they would go into the land that was to be theirs. And so there was this great promise if, if hey, kids, if you obey your mom and dad, if you do what's right, you're going to live long in this land that's coming. You'll be protected. There's benefits and there's goodness for you. Why would you not obey your mom and dad? You're going to live a long time in this land that God, your God, has promised you. And there's going to be really hard years before you get to this land that I've promised you. And so Paul combines those two texts, and he really makes this general statement. He's basically saying this, that a child is endangering themselves when they dishonor their parents. And he's also saying that there is always great spiritual blessing when they choose to obey the Lord and obey their parents. So kids, listen here. If, if you disobey your parents, if you dishonor your parents, well, you're endangering yourself. You're endangering yourself physically. You're endangering yourself mentally. You're endangering yourself spiritually when you disobey your mom or your dad. But when you do obey your parents, kids, listen, there is a great spiritual blessing that will come to you. So in that promise, we see the blessing, right? It will be well, the Bible says, or that it will go well with you. And then we also see that there is safekeeping, that you will enjoy long life in the land. Well, obedience doesn't guarantee that all your diseases and all your accidents won't happen. It's really proverbial, and what that word means is a general truth with uh, exceptions. Paul is saying this. He's saying a disobedient child endangers themselves physically and spiritually. A disobedient child is not only a bother to others, but really a disobedient child is a danger to themselves. It's understood to mean that children who honor God with their lives, they are kept safe for all eternity. And you will live long in the land that your God will give you. Christian children are obedient and they know that God does all things well and you will live long. And what was the promised land fulfilled? Well, it's ultimately the new heaven on the new earth. Children who honor God with their lives are kept safe for all eternity. Trust God that he always rewards obedience in the best way. Know that obedience is right. It is good. It is proper. And let me, let me say something else uh, to you families. To you that even may have children that have long gone left the house. To you that have no children. There are huge evangelistic opportunities in this wicked and dark and death infatuated and perverted and confused culture. There are these huge evangelistic opportunities towards our friends and towards our neighbors and, and towards the watching world. When a family in a public restaurant, husband and wife 
in a public restaurant. You, single man, you, single lady, in a public restaurant, bow your head and give thanks to your maker. How countercultural is that now? Or when mom takes her energetic children into the store and they are literally bouncing their heads off the buggies and they show the watching world what patience, what joy, and what tenderheartedness look like. These are a testimony of, of God's grace to a culture that has attempted to just eradicate, erase the family. Mom, you go shopping with your children. Dad, you go shopping with mom with your children. Dad, you talk at work about how dear your wife is to you. Hey, husband, hey, wife, how, how about holding hands in, in public? And I, I don't care how old you are. And if you do have children, do you talk to them with gentleness? And do you talk to them with affection in public places? Or are you harsh and gruff? Well, dearly beloved of God, I can tell you this, that God is sick of the pandering and the equivocating and the sophistry, and the placating, and the compromising, and the ambiguity, and the accommodations that we keep making for the truth. No, we stand up with steel in our spine, trusting God at his word who said, if he is for us, who can be against us? It's time that we be countercultural. And I don't mean go against the grain simply to be abrasive, but because the culture is rotting from the inside. And it is only the life giving, the life saving, the life changing gospel that is the answer. Let me ask you this, parents are you establishing for your children patterns of public worship? Are we teaching our children habits? for worship are we telling them this this is the lord's day this is the lord's house we are listening to the lord's word and we are gathering with the lord's people and that if i am the lord's it would be very strange if i avoid or do not gather or if i am absent from the lord's people listening to the Lord's word on the Lord's day. And yes, they may fiddle and they may learn and they may forget and they may have to relearn and they may mishear and they may ask questions. And guess what? That is understandable. That's good. You raise your children up to know the Lord. And truly children are a heritage from the Lord. Psalm 127, 3 tells us that. The Bible tells us that our children are a reward, not a burden. They're a gift, not a life sentence. And on your worst day, you look at that child. <laughs> you know what the worst day is. I don't even have to try to explain the worst day. Once a week, there's the worst day, right? And you look at them on that worst day, 
and you say, you are my heritage. You are a true gift from God to me. That's a fact. That's truth. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me so. They're a heritage, they're a reward, and they are a gift. And they are only on loan for a time. Ours for a limited time only. And in those hard years when every hour drags on and it feels like there is no end, it will come to a close. Parents, we are guardians, we are stewards, we are custodians. We are not owners. We do not own our children. But they are on loan to us from God. And each one of our children are made in the image of God with their own personality, with their own individual temperament, with their own DNA, with their own need of a Savior, with their own standing before God, and with their own need of the gospel. Parents, you are to instruct your child or your children in the law of God, the teachings of God, the statutes of God, the way of God. It doesn't matter if you're out winning the entire world for God if you're not winning your children's hearts in your home. Your first and primary ministry is in your home, period. And if the child wanders away, and I can only imagine the heartache. And if that child wanders away, they need to know that there is more, more grace in Christ than there is sin in them. That there is a way back to God from that dark path of sin. And that is through the life and the death and the resurrection, the ascension, the intercession, the reign of God. And so, young people, listen to me as we, as we begin to close. You were born for a reason. And you are prolonged and you are preserved and you are kept by obedience to God. God rewards obedience. And when it is your time to die, that's very significant. Because your life is a very big deal to God. And kids, your soul it's eternal, and it has infinite importance. Parents, how can a child love and obey a God they cannot see if they cannot love and obey their parents who they do see? We, we must set an example. We must, and we must lead them to know the God of the Bible. And so our attitude towards our child or our children, it, it, it should be such as this. 
Oh, my dear child. God has revealed his plan. He has revealed his story of salvation. He has shown us the beginning and the end of all things in this book. The Bible that he's given to us. And my child, I am to make this your foundation. And I must, I must teach you what it contains. Is that your heart towards your children? And you may say this, well, I don't have children. Or all my children have grown up and they're walking with the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. But the church at large is the family of God. So in some sense, listen closely, in some sense, the kids at church on one level are your kids. So you are to love these children. You are to pray for these children. You are to teach these children. Hey, here's a, here's a big one. You are to serve these children. While, of course, knowing that the parents have the unique and the specific calling to their own kids. Well, I'll leave you with old faithful Mr. Spurgeon, one last quote. He says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, but be sure you go that way yourself. Train up a child in the way he should go. But be sure that you go that way yourself. Let's pray. Oh God, we need your grace. Not one of us are perfect, oh God. Thank you that you convict us, God. Thank you that you teach us. Thank you that you give us explanations, oh God. Thank you that you're a God of of new chances, of new hope, of new beginnings. And so we, we plead for your mercy in our shortcomings. For there are many. And we entrust every generation after us to you, O oh God. And we ask that our hearts and our homes would be places of joy. May it be an action and an attitude. Joy. For it is in Christ that there is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Well, that's whose name we ask this in. That's whose name we trust that's whose name we proclaim among the nations. May you be honored. May you be glorified. May you be high and lifted up. 
We commit all these things to you. Amen.